Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're warming up the water. We got a baptism after service today, so. Amen. Amen. If you want to know what baptism is, please talk to us after church. We can tell you all about the great thing about joining God's family. Amen. Amen. So looking forward to our volunteer refresh tonight. I'm excited. Everybody's got their boards done. It's, it's really like a science fair, and everybody has projects, and then you get to go around and see who wins. Um, so it's, I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff, so please, please. If you want to know what the church is and what are all the teams, please come at least learn. Um, amen. 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 Melinda, uh, she was a public relations executive from New York who recently purchased 72 acres near Austin, Texas. She loved the movie gone with the wind, and decided to make a house just like the one Scarlett O'Hare had called Tara. The house was massive, 12,000 square feet, had 22 bedrooms, and it became her haven and rest from the busy cosmopolitan life of the Big Apple. However, like all beautiful stories and wonderful dream house stories, this beautiful house she built from the ground up, came true. It was her forever house and would eventually become her undoing. It started when her son developed asthma in three months. And soon her husband started developing amnesia. He'd forget where he parked the car or what kind of car he was driving. She eventually started having headaches too and dizzy spells, and their health began to deteriorate until one day she was on the plane and she began to cough up blood in her napkin. The man sitting next to her began asking her questions and started asking about when did the developing symptoms begin to come and how long has this been happening and when did she first notice it? And through the conversation, it became quite apparent that Melinda had a mold problem in her house. The man sitting next to her just happened to be a renowned and expert in the United States when it comes to mold remediation. What are the chances? He was hired, flew to Melinda's house to test what kind of mold was in the house. He was in the house for 30 minutes testing before he started to feel ill. His throat became dry. He became dizzy. He decided to go back to the car 
He drove back to the hotel, and for the next four hours, he began to vomit. He called back Melinda and told her a very pointed thing. Get out of the house! (laughs) Melinda grabbed her son, her husband, and they left their dream house forever. They left their wedding pictures, their clothes, the baby pictures, everything they had, they left. All they had with them were the clothes on their backs. The mold was something called a toxic mold, and it had invaded the house, and it was in all the walls. No longer was this house salvageable. And if we read Leviticus 14, through 45, it talks about what happens if there's a plague or a mold. It keeps spreading, then you must tear the house down and dispose everything outside of the camp. And this is what happened to Melinda's southern-style home. It had to be destroyed. And that's my title this afternoon. The house must be destroyed. The house must be destroyed. It doesn't matter how much money and time was spent on this house. It had to come down because it was dangerous. It poses to anyone who inhabits it. And this becomes even clearer when we turn into the scriptures. And I want to read Matthew chapter 7. Now stick with me, all right? There's a, there's a point here. Chapter 7. This is, this is something that is very, very frequently quoted by people who don't believe in God. Matthew 7 verse 1. Do not judge so you will not be judged. That gets thrown all the time towards Christians. Don't be judging people. You have no business judging. I don't judge you, you don't judge me. But even though they're saying that, they're judging you. I don't want you to judge me as long as you believe what I believe. Then I won't judge you. For by the standard you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you, you use will be the measure you receive. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to see the beam of wood In your own eye. Again, this is Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees as well as other people in the audience. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? Well, there is a beam in your eye, in your own eye. Until we can recognize the beam in our eyes, we cannot see clearly. Therefore, We are no help to others in regards to giving them proper spiritual judgment. The beam blocks the way of truly seeing what is wrong with the other individual. It blinds us. It causes us to be less compassionate. This beam, the Greek word is dakos, is the main beam that holds an entire house together. It has all the supporting structures. It's a massive beam. And for all intents and purposes, it's like Jesus saying, you've got a house in your eye, and you're concerned about a speck in your brother's eye. But how can you judge properly? Because it doesn't say throw judgment out the door. We don't read that in the scriptures. There's a specific way to do it. It's easy. Remove the house in your eye. 
so you can have compassion towards your brother and your sister. This massive house in your eye, blatantly visible for all to see. And until the house in your eye has been destroyed, you cannot give proper spiritual judgment. Watch verse 5. Here's Jesus. You hypocrite. First, remove the beam from your own eye. And then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't worry about judging people until you deal with your own problems. Until you're aware of the brokenness in your life, until you destroy the house in your eye, you will never be able to see clearly other people's specks. Your view is obstructed. This house that is in your eye is massive compared to the speck in your brother and your sister's eye. It is a house that has been constructed through time, sometimes by your hand, but sometimes by the own brokenness of this world. And Jesus comes to this house that you have in your eye. And he starts to open the door and he goes into the doors because he wants to destroy what's in your eye so you can clearly see the speck in your brother's eye. So you can go ahead and clearly be the hands and the feet of God. But in order to do that, the house must be destroyed. And he goes through the rooms, and sure enough, there's a room. He goes, and you say, wait, hold on. That's my prejudice door. I got prejudice in here. And he says, the prejudice has to be destroyed. It has no place in my church. And he destroys that room. Then he goes into this huge, massive room. Beautiful indoor plumbing, and it has its own walk-in kitchen. This is my pride, Lord. And God says, it has to be destroyed. Pride has no part in my kingdom. Then he goes into another room. It's a small, dark room. This is my private room, Lord. This is where I can go on the internet and watch whatever I want, Lord. This is me under the covers of the night, Lord. This is when I'm lonely and isolated, and I have to collect somehow emotionally to others, Lord. And he says, this dark room that you are in has to be destroyed. This door has to be gone. Then he goes in and sees another door. I don't want you in that door. That's my addiction, Lord. That's all the junk that I deal with that I kept carrying with me and I bring with me every Sunday morning. And he says, that has to be destroyed too. And he says, now get out of the way and let me destroy that room as well. Then he begins to walk and then this is this beautiful room with lots of lights and mirrors, and this is my vanity room, Lord. This is where I learn how to look like because the world doesn't like the way I'm them. They want me to change who I am. They wanted me to change the way I look because they feel that I'm too plain and too boring. And Jesus says, I like you the way I made you. And this door and this room has to go as well. But I'm going to feel left out I'm going to feel like I'm being put out like a sore thumb. And God says, I know it has to go. Because until the house is destroyed, until it is removed from your eye, you cannot see clearly. Your view is obstructed. 
Each room has to be destroyed. And Jesus is telling us we have to remove this house from our eye. We have to remove it. We can't judge. We can't be a place where we can go ahead and be a, keep our brothers and sisters accountable. We heard about it last Sunday, accountability, judgment. That's all part of the Christian walk. That's all part of being a disciple. But there's a proper in place to do. There's a spirit behind it. Because as you go and you destroy each of these rooms that we all have, you start developing compassion for others. Boy, I'm really messed up. Maybe that my brother isn't as messed up as I thought he was. You start going room by room, and you realize, I got a lot of work to do. Creates mercy. Now watch this, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. Don't go around giving good constructive criticism to people who don't want to hear it. Why are you wasting your energy? What's the spirit behind it? Do they want to listen? No, then don't say anything. If they don't want to listen, then why are you talking? It's different. See, this is different, very different. This is, again, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 7. We're going this by verse by verse. A little exegetical preaching here. Verse by verse. Don't throw them. Because if you throw it before pigs, because some people are pigs. I know, we don't like hearing that. But they're not going to listen because they're not at a place that they can listen. you got to give them space. Now watch this. Here's verse 7. This is crazy. This is verse 7. Ask... And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For anyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks will find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What are we asking for? That's right. It's about this beam in our eye, right? Because right now, in your house, there are doors that you are completely unaware of. Things that are preventing you from inheriting what God has for you. Things that have to be destroyed. And that's where you can go ahead and talk to the Almighty and say, God, what is a part of me that is sucking energy away from what you're trying to do? Mold was everywhere. The only way they were going to salvage that house was by destroying it. Because they didn't realize, but slowly, they were dying. And that's what happens when we don't recognize the rooms that have to be destroyed in the house that we've built. Is there any among you? Who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, although you are evil, but how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, verse 12, treat others as you would want them to treat you. For this fulfills the law and the prophets. It's going right back to judgment. 
We're talking about asking so God can give us some compassion and some mercy. That God can go ahead and work inside of us and remove things that are, again, pulling energy and pulling our focus from what he wants to focus on. It's a whole lot easier to know what those rooms are when you're married. Your spouse sees it very clearly. And I was like, well, Lord, some people are, you know, will not get married or some people are not married. How does that work? And he says, they just have to ask for it and I'll tell them. Other than that, you get this wonderful, clear idea of what all those rooms are in your life from your spouse. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want that. Because you want to grow. You want to become what God has in store for you. And the only way you're going to do that is recognizing what are those rooms in your life that have to be destroyed. And God is so full of mercy, he'll tell you. He'll say, just ask me and I'll tell you what's holding you back. I'll tell you what rooms need to be closed off. Because when you get rid of the house, you can build something new. There's something better in store. It's kind of like that tree that doesn't produce fruit. There's a branch that does not produce any fruit. We have to cut it down. It's not producing any fruit. It's taking up nutrients. It doesn't doesn't need it. It has to be cut down so we can produce fruit that other tree, other branches can go ahead and get the nutrients that we're supplying to this dead branch. It's not you. We're not cutting people off. I'm talking about there's parts and aspects of us that God wants to cut off. If I could say that way, it kind of seems kind of harsh, but that's essentially what God wants. He wants us to become like him. And if you ask your heavenly father, what is it, a beam in your eye? He will reveal it. Now watch this, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ferocious wolves, and you will recognize them by their fruit. What are those fruits? Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, self-control, kindness. Grapes are not gathered from thorns or figs from thistles, are they? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree is not able to bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree to bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will recognize them by their fruit. The branch is cut down, but not the tree. What are aspects of our life that have to be cut down that are sucking our energy? Is it a room filled with anxiety that has to just be destroyed? Maybe the room over here is filled with fear. That has to be destroyed. Because you can't truly walk a life of faith if these rooms continue to come and plague the house that you're trying to build. Maybe we can go ahead and add an addition to these rooms. Nope. Especially, I love my room of pride. It's beautiful. It's huge. Huge room. Huge room. It has has a bathroom. There's like an indoor closet that you can go through. I can hang up all my suits in there. There's a kitchen right there. I got it in my mind already. This is a beautiful room. 
And God says, it's got to come down. It's got to come down. I got something for you. But if you got that pride, if you want to hold on to that room, I can't build something better. Now watch what happens. Again, I'm still in chapter 7. By the way, this isn't my opinion. This is what the scripture says. I'm going through verse by verse, looking at the scriptures in chapter 7. And here is Jesus talking. For those of you who put more more, um, respect to the idea of Jesus talking instead of the whole Bible. But here is Jesus talking. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. For on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many powerful deeds in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you law breakers. The rooms have to be destroyed. They have to come down. It's not enough to hide it. Or build a house on top of it. And we like to do that. And we do a good job of building another house on top of the broken house. And hope that everything's going to be just fine. But it's not. And now watch this. This is why it does not work. Look at verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds beat against that house, but it did not collapse because its foundation had been built on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed, and it was utterly destroyed. You might get away with a small storm, but when you have a major crisis in your life, your world will come crashing down because it's not built on the right foundation. Well, I'll just get away with it. I like my room full of pride. It's a great room. Why do I have to tear it down? I got childhood prejudice right over here. We can get rid of that one. I got fear right there. I got anxiety. I got vanity. I love that one. There's a lot of lights in there. All kinds of social media accounts. I love that room. I don't even look like the person I am. I love it. I can put all kinds of filters on. Don't get to know the real me. It's got to come down. It's got to come down because there is a storm coming. Crisis will come. And if that house is not built on Jesus Christ, the rock, it will be great that fall. Are you willing to have those rooms tore down? Psalms 139, this is the NLT version, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path 
of everlasting life. What has to be removed, Lord? What has to be changed inside of me, Lord? Ultimately, I want to make sure my house lasts. Help me to build rooms of peace, of faithfulness. Let me have a room where there's self-control. Let me have a room where there is a idea of separation and holiness. Let me have a room right here, Lord, where I can go ahead and have kindness and gentleness. That's the house I want to have. Examine me, oh God. Search my heart. Show me what I do not see. Because there's things my spouse does not see inside of me. There are rooms, Lord, that I don't even know what they are. In parts, God, of the house, I don't know what they are. I know you will reveal that to me. I know you will tell me what it is, and I trust your voice. That you have something better in store for me. Do you trust this, God? Why are you holding on to rooms? Why are you building shabby houses on other houses and hoping that somehow that's going to go ahead and carry you through the storm? It's not. Life will come crashing down. Tragedy is right around the corner. And if this house is not built on something solid, it will come down. There's a storm coming. A hurricane. There's a hurricane coming. It's called Fiona. Well, there's a hurricane coming. And if this house is not on Jesus Christ, it will come crashing down. Lord, is my house, is it built on you? Have I destroyed each and every room that's inside of my life? Are there things, God, that I've missed? that my spouse has told me and I just ignored because I love ignoring my spouse. I love just go ahead and just glazing my eyes over and say, thank you once again for telling me what I need to change. I'm not. I'm going to do my own thing. Thank you very much. But God wants us to have an abundant life. And in order to have an abundant life, in order to have a life that's pleasing, in order to have a life that's peaceful, we have to deal with judgment and accountability. Because that is part of the Christian walk. It's not that Jesus just loves you. It's that he loves you enough to change you. At this church... You leave changed. Again, we give space. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we want everyone to be like him. If the music could come. Hallelujah. Accountability and judgment. By the way, this, this message was given to me three weeks ago. So... No relations to, to Lil's message last week. It's a message I don't like to preach. But it's about judgment. It's about finding a more fruitful life. And in order to do that, some parts of us have to be cut down. And that's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. It takes a lifetime.
So they had to destroy the whole house. There was mold everywhere. And they had to leave everything aside because mold got into their clothes. If they were to take anything out of that house with them, they would continue the cycle again. That's how mold works. It's alive. Actually, that's the reason why we have this new building, because of mold. Thank you, Jesus. We built a whole new house. We got rid of some ridiculous rooms, some different types of colors. We got a nice house. I like this house. But you can't carry it with you. It's going to go into the new house. It's going to infect the new house. It's going to get you sick again. And you'll develop amnesia and you don't know where you parked your car. You'll have your keys and you're trying to figure out, like, where did I park my car? Where did I? You'll have the, the little clicker trying to figure out where you parked it. You don't know, you're sick. You'll be on a plane coughing. God has something better for us. And I know that's a hard idea sometimes because we see this life. And there is a conflict within each and every one of us. We have a hard time letting some things go. We hold on to things. I get it. I get it. It's hard. When you see everything right in front of you, it's, it's hard not to hold on to it. You say, but God, see, look how, how everybody else seems to be so happy. Look at all the wonderful rooms they have. And God says, no, there's something better. I just need you to trust me on this. You can't see it. It's invisible. But mold, actually, is invisible in the air. But I see something. This house has to be torn down. I can do better. I don't do shoddy construction. He does great work. Great work. If you met the Arash, and I was 18 when I came to the church. Boy, I'm a, I'm a different man now. I've changed a whole lot. I'm a little bit more compassion. I was very, very self-centered. It was usually about me. I didn't realize about other people, unless it involved me. Then I would notice other people. And I love to work the game. What can I get out of it? What's my benefit? What, what, what do I get? It's kind of like with your kids, you're passing. I was like, wait, hold on. Well, what do we get out of this? We're doing all this work. We should probably get some ice cream or something. God just keeps working. He just keeps grinding. Trust this process, saints. Trust the process. God has good things. He does not want to give us serpents. He wants, to, he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have an abundant life. But we have to let go. Who could stand? Can I have open hands, Lord? And I get it. It's hard. Especially if you built it. I don't like tearing down things I've built. 
But in order for me to build something better, it's going to have to come down. And I'm going to have to trust the process and trust that he has good plans for me to prosper me. You say it. You say you believe it, but do you really believe it? Will the actions follow that come with it? Or is it just a nice, accommodating smile? I'm really good at that. Sure. Of course, I'll take care of that. I totally believe in that. But do you really believe it? Will you really, really, really examine your heart and see, God, what is preventing me from building the house you want? I hope people recognize the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, that guy, oh, he's faithful. Man, he's faithful. He's always there. Oh, he's just, just a real kind guy. Self-control. Man, that guy is all about self-control. He only drinks one cup of coffee. He's super self-controlled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I know, Lord, you're speaking to us right now, Jesus. Lord, I understand there's a storm coming, God. And if my house is not built on you, Jesus, I could get swept away, Jesus. I don't want to get swept away. I don't want shoddy construction jobs anymore, God. I want something solid. I want my rooms to be filled with peace. I don't want fear, God, to dominate my house. I don't want to be tired of being anxious and full of anxiety. God, tear those houses down. Tear those rooms down, Jesus. Tear down my pride, God. It always seems to crop up and block what you're trying to do. It's so big, Lord, I can't see what other people are doing. It's blinded me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, God. You have good plans for us, Jesus. You have good things in store for us, Lord. You have something better for us. The house that you have, Lord God, is even bigger than the one we built. It's more solid, God. It's mold-free, Jesus. It's not going to slowly kill me, Lord. Examine me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Oh, Jesus, God. Change my heart, God. Change my actions, Jesus. Oh, Lord, recognize my fruit, Jesus. Oh, examine me, oh, Lord, Jesus. Oh, Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you want to pray, Jesus, you can come to them, these altars and get a hold of this God.
If you ask, he'll answer. God, what is what is stopping me, Jesus? I know you have all these plans for me. Because I because it's in your word. You have all these plans for me, but God, what's what's stopping you? What's part of me, God, that's just you're just going, I can't work with that right now. We're gonna have to work on that room. Because some rooms you're gonna have to work on for some time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, la, 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 la. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I invite you to get a hold of your God. He knows all your complexities. If you read Psalms 139, right before it talks about examine my own heart, Lord, it says you know exactly my intentions. You designed me, Lord. He knows everything about you. He knows about that secret room that you go into. He sees everything. But yet he still loves you. He still wants to work with you. He's not going to abandon you. I want to make sure we understand this. This is not a message of abandonment. This is a message of something getting better. I got something better for you. The world says they got something better, but it doesn't work. Eventually, it all will come down. But I have something that will outlast the world. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus.
one more scripture Proverbs 14 verse 11 the household of the wicked will be destroyed but the tent of the upright will flourish hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus in the end all those rooms will be destroyed those who dwell in the tent of the Lord, they shall stay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. This is kind of a message where you kind of go home and think about it. Um, this is it's amazing. We just we just don't like to deal with ourselves. We just. I don't know what it is. We, we think we're amazing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think in some ways we are. But there's aspects of us that God wants to change. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, whatever I have, God, I love Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious. We have a baptism. If you want to join us up front right here. She'll be making her way down. If you want to know more about baptism, we'd love to tell you about it. Take on that name of Jesus and join the family of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 